Rush is back. Final hour. Teddy Lehman here. Tyler McComas. Separate locations today. I'm hanging out in studio. Hit us on the text line, 651-3439, Air Comfort Solutions text line. Tyler McComas down in Houston for the uh, Sooner Sports Caravan. BV, Jeannie Baranchek, uh, Coach Porter Moser going to be down there talking to some uh, OU fans showing up for the event. How are we doing out there? How's the heat, Tyler? Um, I, I feel like... I feel like I've over the, the shadows are starting to move closer here, yeah. so I think I've overcome the day, man. Uh, against all odds, it, around three thirty was not looking good, but from uh, some amazing service here at the Rustic, giving me uh, water periodically, I think I'm going to make it to six p.m. I feel good about things now. Uh, some OU fans are starting to roll in here, so really, really cool event, man. Um, it's awesome that they're going to kind of. All the corner. They're going to Wichita next week. They're going to Oklahoma City. Um, they're, they're hitting all the stops, man. And they, uh, a lot of OU fans are really excited about this upcoming season and what's going on. And they're uh, they're showing that by showing out to these uh, to these events. Hey, I I've got some like make or break guys, like guys that we thought that this was kind of a make or break spring for, and to kind of evaluate now if they did what they needed to do to put themselves in a position to play next year. I did this with Parker, but let's start on the offensive line with Bray Walker. Feels like they might have their five figured out on the O-line, but did Bray Walker have a good enough spring to where he did what he needs to do to, to, to get some playing time next fall? Um, it doesn't feel that way. It feels like yeah. he's still going to be in a reserve capacity. All that can obviously change with injury or who knows what else, but it feels like he's still going to be in that reserve role. Um, At least that's what it looked like through spring. I guess, um, you know, things have changed. And with the rededication to the strength and conditioning, maybe, uh, maybe getting lighter for him and moving better for him and, you know, making some strides in training camp that he could challenge for a spot. But as of right now, I'd say probably looks like he'll still be a reserve. But, you know, everyone on the team can't be a starter, man. You, you've you got to have yeah. guys that play different roles on a football team. There's, there's 100 guys up there, sometimes more than 100 guys. And, you know, everyone serves a purpose. He's got to have a great summer. Like in terms of guys that have the best summers, he's got to be at the top of the list. He's got to pop in training camp. But, yeah, as it looks right now, it's going to be, you know, maybe an injury in front of him. Something happens here or there, and he can get in the lineup. But as of right now, it looks like it's going to be pretty tough. Now, this one is a little bit different because a running back can emerge at any point. The summer, the training camp, week six of the season, we saw it with Rodney Anderson. But Marcus Major, did he have the type of spring that he needed to have to play a big role in this offense next year? I believe the answer to the question is yes. However, there's more to the story. You've got the you've got the gray kid who is going to be starting off as your featured back, right? Uh, and then you've got Major, who I think adds uh, a level of physicality that no one else on, on the roster can can bring. So he has that going for him. But the Barnes kid had a great spring, 
is going to benefit tremendously from the summer and the fall training camp uh, with his development. And the other part of it, Tyler, we haven't even started talking about the Salchuk kid from Colorado coming yeah. in. It's going Tommy to be, Walker had a good spring, too. I mean, don't forget right, about him. Fair point. But I think that Marcus Major is going to be a factor. I do. I believe that. Yeah, I, he's got time. He does. It's not as urgent as, you know, Bray Walker or maybe some of these others here. I mean, you can still make an impact week seven, week eight of the season. I mean, that, that can still happen. I, I think he'll make an Here's, impact in, well, I can't say every game, but I think he's going to get carries. I do. Okay. Yeah. How about this name? He's interesting. Made one of the most athletic plays I've seen in a long time two years ago. David Uhuebu. I think it was slow for him at the beginning of the spring. It it's tough for him. He's always he you know he was an edge guy moved inside, and it just it hasn't ever been as natural because there's way more to playing inside backer than there is playing on the edge. It ain't even close. So it's been a hard learning curve for him, and I think whenever you had the new scheme. It just it reset everything for him kind of back to square one. But I think he came on really strong in the second half of the spring and started playing some better football. Now, I would say right now, uh, my guess is Stutzman at the Mike Backer spot, but Aguebu could make a push. I, I, I wouldn't count him out. Yeah, I, I feel like Stutzman's going to be the starter there. I feel like he's going to be, you know, the, the, the long-term answer at that position. I think that there's a chance that by the end of the year he can kind of turn into one of the leaders of the defense. I, I, I mean, I don't know him personally, but he seems like he has that type of personality where he's getting close to be ready to serve that role on the defense. You, you see it any different than that with Stutzman? No, I think I feel the same way about Stutzman as I do – the Downs kid playing defensive end. I think their youth and inexperience is going to show early in the season at times. It doesn't mean that it's going to be constant. I think they'll be good, solid players right out of the gate. But there'll be some some mistakes out there. By the end of the season, I feel like those guys are going to be hitting a high level and are going to be poised to take off you know, like a rocket ship into their junior seasons. Let's go back to the offense at wide receiver coming off an injury, Theo Weese. Uh Like what we saw out of the spring game, Mims and Farouk, at this point kind of seems like they're year one and two. But I, I, I like what Theo Weese did this spring, or at least what I heard. I think he's got a chance to be a, the, the number three receiver. The problem is he's got a lot of young talent that he's got to compete with. They got, they got some good young talent at wide receiver. Good young talent at wide receiver. Um, transfer portal kid from Missouri. I think when you talk about that size and athleticism, he's like 6'3", close to 200 pounds. Uh, hit 22 miles an hour last year on a touchdown. Super fast. He's going to yeah. factor in. It's just it's a crowded room. And frankly – it's almost one of those things where the determining factor on who's going to be the number one, number two, number three, it could just come down to who does Dylan Gabriel have the best chemistry with? 
you know? No doubt. But I think, yeah, I, I, I think I, V's stands There's an opportunity there for him. Yeah. He's got, he's got as much talent and tools as anyone else in the room. Yeah, I, I would be I'd be surprised if he ends up being your, your number one guy just because I think that there's other guys at that position that have bigger, I don't know, much larger big play potential than he does. But I, I, if I had to guess, he develops into a very trusty third down option. And not that he's only capable of getting, you know, eight yards a catch when you need third and five. I think he's capable of breaking a, a big play, but – I just feel like there's other guys at that position that are more capable of breaking big plays at this point. Yeah. Yeah. He he has been more of a kind of a possession type of receiver is, is kind of what you typically call that. And, hey, as many RPOs as they're going to throw, like there's going to be some catches made in traffic with guys draped on you, and that could be his specialty. We were excited about this guy two years ago when he showed some promise, but got passed on the depth chart a little bit. Maybe some things happening off the field. Uh, what about Shane Witter? Going to be tough. He's got a lot of tools. He's He's got some nice size. He's incredibly fast. He's more of a straight, ri- uh, straight line guy, though, which, which can be a problem. Um, you know, he just he, he flashes every now and then, and then, you know, there's there's some long droughts there. The problem for Witter is the young guys are coming. Canick, um, you know, Stutzman. I, right now, my guess is it's going to be Stutzman and Deshaun White, but they're going to find the best player to uh bless players to put out there and if they have to move some positions around they're gonna do it i just i don't know i'm not counting him out by any means i just don't know if he's been consistent enough yet to to earn a spot as a starter yeah i'm thinking of um other guys that could kind of fit in that category um isaiah co fair not fair it kind of feels like he's going to be a main contributor up front on the D-line this year. Uh, big, strong, plays too high at times. Um, but I think uh, I think the defensive line rotation has the chance to be pretty solid. Um, I do think that you know it could stand to get a lot better, but I think that's going to come. I think with the grind and the way they practice and how physical the practices are, I mean, one of the problems, I, I think, with the reason the defensive line, everyone plays too high, is because they didn't practice in full pads all out near enough with the previous regime. You can sure. get away with, with standing up and down when you're not in pads, but when you're out there going full out, basically it's a scrimmage-type situation. You better get your pads down, and you start to learn to play and match the physicality coming on the other side. And I think as the offensive line has been demanded to be more physical, that's only going to make that group on the defensive line better. And I think Coe is one of the guys that's going to benefit from that. He's he's just he's another guy that struggles a bit with consistency. And I think that I think you you have to expect that the defensive players are all 
as a whole going to become more consistent guys. Yeah. You mentioned a name a couple minutes ago that's interesting and that we rarely ever talk about when we talk about this defense. We tend to, I I don't know, steer the conversation more towards the the young potential stars, the Ethan Downs, Jaron Kanick, and maybe a Danny Stutzman type. But Deshaun White is maybe the most least talked about potential starter on this team. And he's played more football than any other guys at the, uh, any of those guys at that position. I'll be interested to see if he really has a breakout season. Um, just because, I mean, for a guy that's been around here so long, he really is pretty much under the radar in terms of the conversation that we have. But he he stands a chance to maybe be one of the better linebackers, maybe the best linebacker that they have this year. That 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 can definitely happen. I think you know, I like Deshaun White a lot. I like what he brings. I think he's a, uh, a really good kid. I think he's a smart kid. Uh, he brings a level of consistency that some of the younger guys struggle with. But it's not going to – ceiling's higher, the other guys. Yeah, well, I, think, I don't think he's hitting his ceiling, frankly. I think, there's, I think he's, he's leaving meat on the bone because – he can do that and still be like the most consistent player in the inside backer room. But he's about to get passed up. He needs to have, he needed to have a really good spring. And I think he had moments, but I think he, I'm not saying that he's not bought in. I think he's bought in, but, I think he's okay with where he's at. Complacent. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sure. And if he can if he can figure out and change that mindset a little bit and and go out there and be like a true leader on the team as far as like setting the pace. This is how we practice. This is how we show up to meetings. This is how we show up to to workouts because that's been a problem for him. If he can flip that mindset, I think he can take his game to another level. We leaving anyone out? Oh, I don't know. uh, I feel like we pretty much we got it down. Someone on the text line is asking if they'll move Bray Walker to nose tackle. No. Hey, I I had said that before. I don't think they will either. I I had said that before just kind of like – if you've got a guy that has that is big and strong and that has been just kind of stuck in a spot as a as a backup as a reserve and is and is in a rut then a position change can wake that guy up and you may unlock something and and you never know but i i wouldn't expect for that to happen I, uh, I hope it works out for him. I, I, I do. I, I mean, I don't want to, you know, just play him to play him there if he's not one of the best five. Clearly, that's not going to happen. But Bray Walker is a guy that I think a lot of us are rooting for to, you know, break through and at least have a role on this year's team because, it, I mean, this really is his last opportunity to, to kind of live up to that five-star hype that he had coming out of high school. Yeah. So, hope it happens. No, I agree. All right, let's hit a quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on. Tyler's down there in Houston. I'm hanging out in studio. Keep hitting the text on 651-3439. Final hour of the rush. Kevin, a fellow Houston native, just stopped by and got his Rev t-shirt. So appreciate all the 
ref listeners out there in Houston coming by, getting their ref T-shirts, getting ready to hear from Brent Venables, Jenny Baranchek, and uh, Porter Moser tonight. By the way, some kickoff times were announced today for some college football games coming up this year. Uh, week one, you had Georgia-Oregon. That's going to be 3.30, 2.30 local on ABC. Notre Dame-Ohio State's week one. That's going to be 6.30 on ABC. Florida State-LSU, that's on Sunday of Labor Day weekend, 6.30 on ABC. OU and Texas, they have a network announced. It's not going to be Fox. It's going to be ABC. But I still think that that probably means OU Texas is going to be 11 a.m. What well, OU Tulane was ABC 11 a.m. last year. So, Teddy, I have no reason to think that OU Texas won't be at 11 a.m. next year. Same time as always. Um, yeah. I, that's – I'm guessing that's probably right. I don't. I. I honestly have no idea. So I can't even. Can't even begin to comment. Probably depends on, like what, Texas's record and what Oklahoma's record look like at the time, right? If if Texas uh, is a one loss team, know. I'm just under the impression it's always going to be at 11 a.m. regardless of it. That's what I feel like. Really? What's yeah, the I mean, last 2:30 game that they've had there? Um, it was like 2016, maybe. Yeah, I think it was I think it was 2016, maybe. So it's it's been a while. It's just like, and that was pretty random. They had had several 11 a.m. games before that. It's almost like they said, "All right, here's a random 2:30." They're not going to move it to a 6:30 ABC night game. We know that. Right. I mean, that's just that's just not going to happen. It's going to be 11. It's going to be 2:30. What would be awesome, and I know that it doesn't really. This isn't how TV times work. But instead of 11 a.m., if they kind of threw everyone a bone and just started at noon Central Time, huh. like how much happier – forget 2.30. How much happier would the fans be if it was noon Central instead of 11 a.m.? Come oh on, gosh. man. Hang on a second. You know the crowd that goes down to Texas, right? You, you know. Uh, most of them. It's your party Sooners. If you tell them the game is at noon – Guess what happens? Everyone stays party out the later. Same time they do for an eleven a.m. <laughs> they, they party regardless. Yeah, I think they'll probably stay out later. Oh gosh, you know we got that extra hour. The game's not until noon. We can go ahead and push it a little later on Friday night. But no, I'm I'm with you on that. Any any extra time would be uh, needed, to say the least. Uh, 2017, thank you, Blaine. 2017 was 2.30. 2016 was 11 a.m. on Fox. So that was the uh, odd random year you had the uh, afternoon game. So, all right. 11 a.m., though, I'm guessing. Text line is asking where Boz is at. Is Boz going to show up? As far as I know, he still is. I haven't heard uh, otherwise. But, yeah, we are starting to get close to the end of the show today, and I'm wondering myself if Boz indeed is going to stop by. He probably saw the picture on social media and said, dude, you're like barely even in the shade. No, thanks. I'll just hang out inside instead. Well, I'm, he, I'm good. He's smart. He's in the AC. He'll probably show up right at the last moment. Um, before we get out of here, Tyler, um, I know Coach Gasol is meeting with the media at 6 o'clock, I believe. And yeah. I think it will be close enough to that point that – I can tell you what 
University of Oklahoma head softball coach Patty Gasso told me earlier today about Jordy Ball's injury. All right. What'd she say? Well, I, we'll have to wait until closer to 6 o'clock is what I'm telling you. God, come on. Did, did she really tell you something, or are you just no, yes. make everyone wait around for 30 minutes and not say anything? No. I, I know what's going on, and it's pretty interesting. Very interesting. I'm, I'm skeptical right now. I can't tell if you're being serious or you're kidding that you actually talked to her. I'm serious. Absolutely, 100%. <laughs> All right, well, there's a reason for you to stick uh, stick it out until 5.59. Teddy's got some scuttlebutt on what's going on with Jordy Ball. On that subject, though, um, I don't know if she's the best pitcher in college softball, but she's certainly one of the best pitchers in college softball. And there's been a question for most of this year of, you know, is this team the best of all time? What does this team have to be no- to, to, do, to do to be known as one of the best of all time? I feel like if they end up winning the national championship and Jordy, Dal- uh, Jordy Ball doesn't pitch an inning, to me that kind of solidifies this team as the best ever. Winning it all with a whole lot of super seniors in the field and you don't have your ace in the circle. If that's what happens, then I will forever claim them the greatest softball team that has ever played. Let me ask you a question. If they don't have Jordy Ball, are they better than last year's team? Because most of the players that are most of the players' numbers were better last year than they are currently. Yeah, but here's the thing, man, and the numbers aren't really going to reflect this because she had a tough year. I mean, she didn't even pitch in the super regionals before the women's college world series. Right. But Giselle Juarez turned into the best pitcher in the country those five those final five games. And again, you can't it's hard to measure because she didn't have the year that she thought that she was going to have Uh, but to answer your question I would say that last year's team is probably a little bit better just because they had the edge in the circle yeah yeah but that and that may be the case so but 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 that is the good thing is they don't they don't they don't have to beat last year's team to to make it or to win a national championship you know right this year they just got to be better than uh fouts or Sander Cock. It's FSU. Uh, you think they can be better than you think they can be better than Fouts or Sander Cock? I think uh, Alabama been struggling a little bit as of recently. Florida State's still pretty good, but we may have a back to back OU Sander Cock national championship this year. Right. I, I honestly, man, I I think the uh, I think the field's wide open. I I still think OU's the favorite, especially. You know, we haven't heard for sure that Jordy Ball's out for the year. Like, if Jordy Ball's back, they're still the favorite. Virginia Tech could get to the championship series. Florida State could. Florida could. UCLA is UCLA. They could. Like, I, I think they're legitimately the eight teams that make it there. All eight could seemingly make it to the championship round. And that's not – that doesn't really happen every single year. But it's it's wide open this season. Yeah. Well, uh I feel like their their regional draw, and maybe this is final last or famous last words. I don't know, but I feel like their regional draw is way better this year than it was last year, and everyone remembers that the what was it Washington situation, and no one was happy about that in in Patty Gasso's 
um, take on that was, well, it's not really fair for Oklahoma, but it's especially not fair for Washington. So it seems like, you know, she believes that this year it's it's a little bit better across the board. Some are easier than others, but um, it's a little bit better all the way across the board as far as, you know, the fairness factor. But, you know, A&M plays in a tough conference, kind of a battle-tested group. Played Minnesota earlier, so oh, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a fun, fun postseason, really fun postseason. So, yeah, I, I just think the regional man. Um, you mentioned the the sticks yesterday, and I still think that they're hitting okay, but I, I don't know. Like there may be, I don't think that they're nervous over there right now, but you know how it is. You just get through a regional without her if you don't have her then you kind of get on a roll and you say, yeah, we're all right. It's like the best thing that could happen to this team if Jordy's not going to pitch is just to get out there and start playing again to get that confidence back. They'll yeah. be fine. I'll tell you what uh, head softball coach Patty Gasso told me about uh, the bats going a little quiet against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 uh, tournament. She said there's a, there was a little bit of hero ball going on. Really? A little bit, you know, some swinging for the fences perhaps whenever things got really tight and the pressure was on. Um, feels like maybe everyone was kind of wanting that highlight moment instead of, you know, following the, the techniques and, and everything that they're supposed to. So as that happens, but um, she expects the offense to bounce back in a big way. Says the team yeah, right should, now. Man. Yeah, she says right now. After that game, the the team has practiced and and felt more energized than they have at pretty much any point in the season. Yeah, good deal. No, I, I'm excited for this week. It's it's going to be some fun. I'm sure there's going to be some upsets out there. OU would face UCF in the supers if both of those regionals hold, but could be Michigan. Michigan can get hot. They've got a, a pretty good softball program as well. So I am uh, I'm ready, man. I'm ready. All right. Quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. Final segment or final hour, I should say, from Houston. It's getting going here at the OU Coaches Caravan. Got a, loss in, a lot of uh, Houston ref listeners coming up saying hi, getting a free T-shirt. The other layman came up and said hi. Kurt Lehman, he said that you two uh, had a few pops together in college. <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, 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 yeah. He, he says hello. So a lot of cool people out here in uh, Houston uh, come and say hi. You ready to tell us what Patty Gasso told you earlier, or do, are you really going to make us wait 10 more minutes? I'm going to make you wait 10 more minutes. She has immediate availability at 6 o'clock. That is still 20 minutes away. I do not want to scoop Coach Patty Gasso. All right. So All right. I'm going to wait Fine. to the very end. I, that's only Fine. the right thing to do. Okay. Hey, I, I wanted to ask Bob this question earlier, but didn't have the opportunity to. I might ask him next week. But, you know, I, I, I'm wondering if with Levy's offense, if the H-back position is potentially going to kind of go away. And that's a position at OU they've had a ton of success with, man. Um, Trey Millard, Aaron Rupkowski, Dimitri Flowers, of course, Jeremiah Hall recently. They've seemingly always found a really good, versatile player at that position. 
but does it feel like to you that we're not going to see any more of those versatile H-backs within the offense? They're going to go away in Levy's scheme? Well, yeah, um, because I remember Joe John Finley saying that he's no longer the tight ends and H-backs coach. He's the tight ends coach. They're not doing H-backs anymore, or they're not calling it H-back. Now, I'm sure that those guys are going to do some of the similar things, line up in the backfield, run some split zone stuff, some counter stuff. You're going to see those guys do some of the same things. So, Lebby's not going to be any different than any other good offensive coordinator. If he comes across a guy that is of that body type, that is a great blocker and – you know, is able to do some things out of the backfield off of some of their play action stuff and and turns into a weapon, then I think that I think he'll do that. And I think he'll develop plays to build on that. That's just that's what good offensive coordinators do. It's just gonna be kind of sad if there's no more H backs around, you know, because not only have they been valuable pieces to the offense, but a lot of those guys have developed into one of the more beloved players on the team. Have you noticed that? Like yeah. all those guys that have played that spot have are all really likable amongst the fan base. And I, I know that J.D. Runnels was more of a true fullback than those guys probably were. But I think you can even go back to a guy like that in the early 2000s where, you know, he was really good and a lot of the fans like really just loved what. Well, yeah, I, I just think that that position fits what this fan base wants, like versatile, big play, but – also really, really tough, too. Yeah, and you can go back a little bit further than that and go to, you know, a guy like Seth Luttrell, and, you know, and whenever he was in that, they ran a lot of split-back stuff. He was the H-back position, and it's kind of been that way. Uh, frankly, if I think if, – if we sit here and talk about it, when's the last time they didn't have a – what we would consider to be a great H-back, right? I mean, it's um, pretty much yeah. been universal. Trying to think back in 08 if they had one. You had DeMarco and Chris Brown. But, man, that's going back over a decade, to your point, since you've had one of those guys. It's almost as if, you know, they had that type of player, and then for whatever reason they went a few years without it. And then kind of in that 2011-2012 range, about a decade ago, I guess, they made a real commitment to getting those types of players again. And and they, they got one seemingly every two to three years that was really good. Right, yeah, yeah. They have, um, yeah. Man, it's they. They've they've done really, really good at that position. They've been coached really well at that position. Gosh, um, I know Sumlin coached the H backs at one one point. I'm trying to think who all, what all different coaches coached the H backs at Oklahoma. I feel like it's been a pretty good list of guys. Because you have Sumlin, who turned into a head coach. Beamer turned into a head coach. Um, you know, at one point, the fullback, the, the fullbacks were in Kel Gundy's room for a big, like they didn't make that switch until, I want to say like the 20, like whenever Heupel took over, I think it's when they made that switch. Does that sound right? That sounds right. Um, can you tell that this is the T-shirt portion of the uh, events? I can hear your mic cutting <laughs> like on and off, and oh I'm guessing gosh. that's people showing yeah. up to uh, to request. Yeah. That's okay. E- yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, we uh trying to make it happen here. So, all right, hey, I I uh well, people coming up and saying hi and getting a free T-shirt, so that's that's really cool. But, yeah, I, it, and look, it's not like the offense is going to be bad without an H-back. I think that they're going to be really good. I think they're going to be just fine. It's just we've been used to having kind of that, I don't know, Swiss Army knife type of player, and maybe they'll develop it in, in, in some other way. Um, I guess the slot position has still been – a big part of their offense, but I, I got to think even more so now it's going to be a big part of the offense as well. It, 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 does he have an offense? And I guess it's probably based straight on personnel, but are we going to see a lot of passes thrown to backs in the flats with uh, Jeff Levy? Is that going to seemingly be more of a thing? Yeah, the, you'll you'll see more. No, I, don't, I can't say necessarily backs in the flat, but uh, remember you go back to the, throw the ball to running backs yeah, more. You go to the spring game where we saw like, Three, four, maybe five checkdowns thrown to the running back. Lincoln Riley, I don't even think he had a checkdown in his offense. Like, seriously, I don't think yeah, there was either. a checkdown in, in his offensive game plan. The backs. If it's not there, just throw it deep one on one or in double coverage and see if you can hit on something. That's what it felt like. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think that I think there's a pretty decent chance. And it all depends on are the guys producing? Is. Is it turning? Is it turning into what you want it to turn into? Whenever you start throwing it to the backs, are you getting first downs? Are you moving the chains? Are you scoring touchdowns? Are you, are you creating explosive plays? If the answer to that yeah. is yes, they're going to continue to do it. Yeah, I think so too. All right, I can't wait to hear your uh, breaking news coming up next segment. Yep. All right. Well, it's it's going to happen. I feel like it's going to be a build up for I feel like it's going to be a build up for nothing, but hey, maybe you'll surprise me today. Who have knows? I ever let you down? Have I ever let you down? Yeah, I think yeah. yesterday you did I was about uh, to say, a couple times. Yeah, frankly it happens all the time. It happens all the yeah. time. All right, quick time out. More from the rush coming up. Tyler's down in Houston for the uh Sooner Caravan coach Venables, coach Jenny Bronchek, Porter Moser going to be on hand. There in the next couple of minutes. Stay tuned. We'll close up shop next. Final segment of the day. We've given away all of our T-shirts, man. I am uh, T-shirtless coming back home. Some guy just rolled up with a shirt that said, it ain't good enough, listens to us all the time. So that's been really fun. Nice. All right, let's uh, let's cut right to it. Let's cut right to it. What do you got? What, what did she tell you earlier today? Are we close enough yet? It's 553. Um, yeah, we're close enough. I've waited for 20 minutes. Hmm. Well, first, we'll set the stage here. Uh, Jordy Ball did not play uh, over the weekend in the Big 12 tournament, Tyler. Did you know oh that? Oh, my God. Would you, this, this sounds like an ESPN article already. Okay? I'm stalling. With filler. All right, so, okay, here's the deal. She has an injury in her forearm, okay? The injury in her forearm is actually one that Jenny Finch had. And Coach Patty Gasso actually called Jenny Finch to, to ask her about the injury and and kind of what it entails and and how she dealt with it. And I think Jenny Finch pitched – she pitched 30-plus games in that season, and I think a lot of them were with this injury. 
in one of the games leading up to, I'm not sure if it was what game it was when it happened, but it was in warmups. She took a grounder at at the uh, the mound or the circle, I guess you call it in softball. I don't know. And whenever she threw to first it base, she felt something in her forearm. Um, had quite a bit of pain. Pain has been um, like for several days afterwards. You know, it was it was pretty intense. What does that mean? Does that mean it just hurts whenever she tries to throw or something? I I'm not sure, but it was something where they knew that she wasn't going to play. Um, since yeah. then, so so it is. So it is arm. Is it? It's just straight arm. It's not lower body or anything yep. else, right? It, it is. Okay. All right, that clears that up. It's her arm, yeah. Um, now, it, Coach said that she feels they feel way better than they did previously. But it's going to come down to what the doctors say about it. Um, so I, I don't think there's anything yet as, as of whether or not – I don't know that there's a timeline yet. I don't know that they've had that sure. that final discussion yet with a doctor, but she did say that there's a, a much better feeling now than there was, um, you know, a week ago. So that's well, good okay, news. Okay, that's positives. Right. Yeah, so I, I guess just based on that and what you heard from her, do you have a – an opinion on if she's going to pitch this weekend or what that timeline is going to look like, or do they not even have, like, I guess you kind of said they don't have a timeline, but what was your feeling based on what she said? Well, she said that, um, that she feels like it, it may, depending on what the doctors say, it may come, come down to what Jordy ball wants to do. And, she said that knowing the competitor and the type of person that Jordy Ball is, I it's going to take, you know, it would take, you know, what she she feels like, you know, as competitive as she is, there's a good chance that she may end up playing with it. But you know, again, that that hasn't been determined yet. There's going to be a, a doctor before they ever get to the point where. It's up to her. They have to like go through some final stuff and hear what the the medical staff and, and everyone say about it. Um, you know, it's interesting though that you know how about the ability to just uh, reach out and no big deal, just call one of the most famous pitchers of all time, Jenny Finch, and ask her about I, the I know, injury, and, right? Yeah, that's that's incredibly valuable. I, I said that too yesterday. I, I just felt like if Jordy got the okay if they said well you can go but you're going to be 75 percent feel like she was going to go ahead and give it a go and play i just don't think that she was going to sit on the sideline or sit in the dugout and not play at all and even if she is 75 percent even if she's not her full best i just think the confidence that that gives this team is worth its weight in gold man just seeing her in the circle and her energy and her confidence i give i think gives this team a real boost so that's great news that's that's a big positive that they're trending more positively on on this injury situation. That's good. But you know, I like I said, I don't, I don't. There is like I, I can't even guess what the timeline is or if there's a timeline. And 
you know, she may be shut down whenever she talks to the doctors because, you know, we'll write up, we're right up against it. So I'll ter- tell you, it's she has a hairline fracture in her forearm. So it's yeah. it's not just a, it, you know, it's not one of those just a nagging like there's 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 conversations that have to go on with the doctors to see how significant like is there a risk of furthering the injury and stuff like that so um pretty interesting hey, by stuff. the way real quick for, before we get out of here now that this is about to be revealed if she plays and she dominates let's go um she's got a long career but she's dude like legend status that's if right. she plays through it and they win a national championship. That's right. All right, fun day. Thanks for going down there to Houston, Tyler, and uh, toughing out the heat. It was a lot of fun. We appreciate oh, yeah. you guys. You killed it on the text line, as always. We appreciate you for driving the show. We're just along for the ride. And thank you to Pacifico. Go enjoy a cold one.